I'm Dan, your friendly fishmonger from dancefish.com. Good to have you here. For those that are new, we do this every Wednesday at 7 Mountain Time. That's 9 Eastern for those that don't know where the mountains are. And we kind of just talk about fish. Um, I tell you how the shipments are going, what we're getting in from imports, and we do a giveaway and then answer questions and comments. So we have a cool giveaway today, but before we get to that, the shipment report, and I'm sorry, I'm a little stuffed up, just a sec. My nose is acting up, it's allergy season, and I might be getting sick, I hope I'm not, I'm feeling a little off, but hopefully, uh, hopefully it's not, hopefully it's just some allergies. Um, so pardon if I'm sniffling a little bit <laughs> or have a, a clogged nose, stuff like that during the stream tonight. I'm going to do my best to not be gross. All right. So um, let's hear. Hang on. Where was I? I got distracted and lost my train of thought. Oh, yeah. Let's get to the shipment report. So since I last talked to you, the shipments have gone well. Um, everyone's arrived alive. As far as I know, there was one person who reached out, one of the rice fish I shipped that arrived yesterday, kind of the last of the, uh, the LeMay rice fish, uh, arrived with a little stress. So it's, I think, doing fine and all that, but there were some symptoms of stress. Hopefully it's just a little stress and not a disease. Time will tell and I'll fill you guys in as, as we go on. But um and that's the only thing that's that's somewhat concerning that's happened since I last talked to you. Besides that, no reports that there's been anything to be concerned with at all. So hopefully it turns out well. <laughs> we'll see. Um, I did have a question, though. For everyone that's received um, the Shodenai puffers from me, the um, Congo spotted puffers, I would like to know how they're doing for you. I have a new batch coming next week, at least I hope I do, and I, I just want to make sure that the other batches I've sold are doing well, because if they're not, I want to change something so they do. So I do my best to clean them up, get them free of parasites. Um, they're captive bred, so there's a lot less parasite issue than you'll have with a lot of puffer sources, but even so, I. I try to take my time, get them eating well on frozen foods. Um, this last batch I got on Vibrobites and stuff, some prepared foods. So I try to get them all good to go, but I'm curious what happens after they get to you. Um, so far, I think we're doing pretty well, but I want to make sure that I'm doing it right. I did have one person reach out to me that got one a while ago and everything seemed fine, but they've lost it. So one has been lost. I know that. And I just want to make sure that that's an isolated incident. If that's like, if everyone's like, oh yeah, me too. Oh yeah, me too. No, mine, mine was good for a week. And then I had a problem. No one's mentioned that. But if there's a problem, I want to know so that I don't continue selling a fish like that. That's so personable and cute and hard to get and it's just plain expensive um, if there's problems with it that I can't figure out. So I'll, I want another doing for you folks. <clears throat> um, 
next thing is the giveaway. Let's get to the giveaway and then I'm going to tell you all about the fish that came in from Nigeria. We have another order coming next week. It should arrive, uh, should be here Tuesday. So, oh, that, that brings up a point. I've got a big order coming next week. Since it arrives Tuesday, that means I've got to get on the road Monday. Pick it up Tuesday, hopefully. Maybe drive back Wednesday. The, the point is next week's going to be, shipping's going to be a little up in the air. It's just going to depend on the import, when exactly it arrives, what flights it can get on, all that stuff. So um, I don't know about shipping on Monday and Wednesday of this coming week. I hope to be able to send fish out, but it, it could be the following week before I can get fish out, just depending on when that import arrives, because it might, I might be out of town um, or frantically unpacking a big import on the two shipping days. So, and I could maybe ship out on Thursday for Friday delivery, but the first few days after a big import arrives, like all my focus is just getting the fish healthy, making sure they're okay, getting them to start eating and settle in and all that. So it's going to be a lot. I don't know if we'll be able to ship next week. Um, with that, let's get to our giveaway. So we're giving away today some bumblebee gobies, and these are true freshwater gobies. So let me just talk about that a little bit here. <clears throat> so this right here is your typical bumblebee goby. Dorier is the species. Brachygobius dorier. And it's, it's a very pretty fish. And you can tell the Dorier, and, and there's several species of bumblebee gobies, but if you look at it, you notice the sharp contrast, right? Black color, black color, black color, black. It's almost like a coral snake, right? This real sharp contrast between the black and the yellow color, um, which in this picture is actually reading a little bit orange. Here is another picture of a bumblebee goby that's a typical kind of bumblebee goby you would see. Again, notice the stark delineation between the black and the color, like a coral snake or a, you know, uh, a mountain king snake, just really sharp delineation. And then you get to the freshwater goby species, which is this one, Brachygobius xanthomelis. If you notice, it looks quite different. You don't have these sharp delineations. It's more of a mottled color on the fish. And this one isn't showing it, but they do get a good yellow color on them as well. This kind of looks more like almost clear <laughs> with black modeling on it. But the important thing is to notice there aren't sharp delineations. It's this mottled color. Um, let's see if I can find another picture. Here's another one. See how it's kind of mottled in there as opposed to that sharp delineation? That, as far as I know, and it is one way to tell if you're getting a true freshwater goby or not. The true freshwater goby, as far as I know, there's only one species. There might be others I don't know about. I'm not like a, a freshwater goby expert by any means, but the true freshwater goby that I do know about, the, 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 the xanthomelis species, is like this, this mottled color. So I see posts on social media and posts for gobies for sale quite a bit. They're like true freshwater goby. And then it's showing very obviously to me a picture 
of uh, a brackish water, freshwater goby. Now, maybe there's populations of xanthomelis that do have stark delineations of color. Maybe there's stuff that I don't know, but I, I don't think so. As far as I know, there's one true species of freshwater goby, and it's modeled in pattern. The reason I'm a little hesitant to say that for sure is because I, I hate it when people try to identify fish just based on like the color and things like that, because different populations can vary in their color. I, as a killifish geek all my life, um, I know this. <laughs> There's like you can have one species of garden rye, right? And have all these different populations that have, look very, very different. But I just I think that's what what is happening with the bumblebee goby is they're they're all awesome, but a lot of people want just fresh water, right? They don't want to have to deal with brackish water. So there's kind of this market for fresh water, brackish water fish. Um, everyone's always like, oh, can I keep that mono in freshwater? Can I keep that scat in freshwater? Can I keep my figure eight in freshwater? And I'm not going to go into if you can or can't. Uh, there's arguments on both sides. But in the wild, you know, they experience kind of a estuarian type fluctuations in salinity. Um, but I think that the industry has caught on that there's a bit of a more of a market for freshwater bumblebee gobies than for brackish water bumblebee gobies. And so a lot of the suppliers are dislabeling all their bumblebee gobies as fresh water. And it's like, I don't know. <laughs> that sure doesn't look like xanthomelis to me, right? So then the store, whoever's selling them, ordered freshwater bumblebee gobies, got the gobies and lists them as freshwater gobies. And it just goes on and on. And I'm not saying that the store is to blame. They might you know, not everyone can identify fish. It's like, I ordered freshwater gobies. I got these gobies. So I'm going to list them as freshwater gobies. Right. But what that means is that you as the consumer need to just be a little bit vigilant. And if you're trying to get true freshwater bumblebee gobies or well, even other goby species, and there's quite a few fish that fall into this category. Um, archer fish, for example, um, they just do a little bit of research so that you can make sure when you go to your store and pick up the cute little bumblebee goby that's labeled as freshwater that it really is. And you don't accidentally have problems later on because you got a brackish water fish and didn't realize it. So, but that's what the giveaway is for, is for some brachygobius xanthomelis, true freshwater bumblebee goby species lives in, in the wild, like black water, like soft acidic water. It's uh it doesn't need salt. It doesn't need hard water. Now it will thrive in hard water and you can add salt, you know, it's salt tolerant if you need to treat it or whatever. But if you would like to win them, I'll send you anywhere between three and six of them, depending on how many I can fit in the box when I go to send them. And if you'd like to win them, then hashtag B in the chat will get you entered to win. Hashtag B E E like buzz buzz like honeybee um try to make it as easy as possible <laughs> to make candy happy <laughs> so one note about them they're very small um under an inch and they won't do well only on prepared foods long term they need frozen and live foods 
with, you know, you can, they'll eat pea mysis, um, not pea mysis, I'm sorry. They're on um, extreme nano pellets and small prepared foods, but they don't eat them with gusto, I would say. Um, and they need a lot of protein. They're little carnivores. They have a massive mouth for their size and they're, they're made to go around and hunt. So give them some meat um, if you want long-term success with them. So, you know, don't enter to win them if you aren't prepared to provide some frozen bloodworms, frozen brine shrimp. Um, you know, if you can provide some live foods, that would be great. Some black worms and stuff every now and then. Um, but, but don't just think you can put in some flake every now and then they'll be fine. They won't. They'll get really skinny on you. All right. So that is the giveaway. And with that, let me show you what we received from Nigeria. Now, it, we, we got shorted quite a bit, um, but we did get some really cool stuff in. There's a couple species of Cynodonis that I got in. Sorry, that I'm not going to show yet just because they're still recovering. Um, they came in very, very skinny. I've, I think... I've got them cleared of parasites because they're starting to bulk up now. They're starting to hold on to their food and kind of bulk out, but it's going to be a while. I mean, they came in really rough and it was actually kind of sad how skinny they were. Their bellies were really pinched, but like I said, they're eating now and they're retaining the nutrition. They are starting to fatten out. So, but it's going to, it's going to take a while to get them up to where they need to be. And um, so I'm not listing those yet, but for those that want to know, I think it's uh, the upside down cat, was it uh, Negritus or something like that? Um, and I think Ocelifer, uh is the other. Hang on, let me look. That's it. Oh, Negrita, Synodonis Negrita, the standard upside down catfish, and then Ocelifer. Yeah. So nothing that gets real big. I, I don't want to get giant Synodonis cats. I like kind of smaller fish, but those I haven't, haven't listed. But they are nice wild collected fish that um, have locations on them and things that I can get. I just need to get them recovered. From the looks of it, it looks like they were collected and then kind of held for a long time before they were shipped out and just didn't get the food they needed. So we're fixing that. Okay. So with that, let me show you what we did get in. I'm going to close this Bumblebee Gobi tab because I have so many tabs open. <laughs> so some of these are really rare and interesting and some are pretty common. Um, but let's show you what we got. So the first thing is we got some African butterfly fish. Um, these guys, for those that don't know, get about three, four inches. They stay at the surface. They don't bother anything unless it can fit in their mouth and then they'll gulp it down. They're a bony tongue fish. They're the only fish in their genus. Um, it's a monogenetic species and they're very closely related to the arowanas. So they're kind of like a little three, four inch arowana, I guess. They have this amazing finage, as you can see, these long filaments that stick down. They look like plant roots. And also, that way, if something's coming to attack them, they can sense the water movement before the predator gets them. And then they'll jump. And when they jump, they use these butterfly wings that give them their name. And they can jump. Um, I haven't seen them jump this far, but in the literature, it says they can jump a few yards at a time. 
So that's their main escape thing. In the aquarium, they hang out at the top. They'll appreciate some plant cover to help make them feel secure. They'll just hang out at the top. They, they aren't super active or anything, but they are kind of like a little bit of a wet pet. They'll, they're fun to feed. Um, you feed them and they get pretty active then. But for the most part, they hang there. That's their camouflage. They just stay at the surface waiting for an insect to come by and then they grab it. They're kind of an ambush predator. Um, but it's so camouflaged, they just kind of ambush by hanging out in the open. We also got some African red-eyed tetras. Finally, I believe that Bob Kaler's been waiting for these for a while. <laughs> and I actually don't know why they call them the African red-eyed tetra. Well, I do because they have this red eye. But what I like about them is this flag tail. Um, I don't know if it's just the males that get it or not, but they get this really nice striped black and yellow um, anal fin, which I think is the star of this fish, the thing that really makes it stand out. But anyway, have a group of those in. Another tetra, this is the blue diamond is what they call it. Um, it's, it's so hard to get good pictures of these. They often in pictures just look, you know, like, oh, that's a yellow. That's not even the right species. <laughs> Here we go. Often they just look like this, like a gray or a tan fish um, in pictures. But what their real color is, is this blue iridescence that's very hard to photograph. But this gives you an idea. This kind of light sky blue, really shiny iridescence they get on them. Yeah, there you go. And, and they get these long filaments on the fins as well. At least the males do. Here, you can see it here, these nice long filaments. And this is kind of showing a little bit of the blue. Iridescence is so hard to catch on camera, though. Um, but anyway, nice group of those. We got some Aphiosemian bivitatums. Um, they were collected at Aguoba, is the collection point. And they look like these. Like, yeah. This is actually a really, really good representation of the of what they look like, these long fins with the red on them. One of my favorite killifish, and closely related to the fish in my logo. Um, Barboides gracilis, one of the smallest fish for the aquarium. These guys get around half an inch. Uh, 0.7 inches, I think, is like record size from what I read in the literature, but small, little, barb basically uh, or closely related to barbs anyway so i printed just neat little nano fish that you don't hardly ever see i'm not going to list these for sale immediately because mine look like this right now so they aren't emaciated but they aren't nice and fat i want to get them like this with a nice full belly before i sell them something like that before i sell them and uh so i'm i'm just getting some food down them then we got some more of the, another killifish that I absolutely love is Epiplates acayo. Um, I don't know the species. It might be Grammi, but I'm not sure. <laughs> so I'm going by the collection point. And here's a decent picture of them. This doesn't really show the color, but it shows the pattern and uh, the fish's shape. They're like a, a little pike, kind of like a golden wonder shaped killifish in a way. Um, what you can't see, though, is the purple lips and the blue color on them and things. It's just hard to catch. This kind of shows some of the blue color a little bit. It doesn't show the purple, though. But anyway, really neat little killifish. 
Hemichromis elongatus, also called the five-star general. This is a jewel or the banded jewel cichlid. goes a couple different ways. This is a jewel cichlid species. Um, Extremely beautiful and, like most jewel cichlids, extremely aggressive. Okay, these are interesting. So these are a mamirid or an elephant nose species. Um, and it's hard to find. Some of these are so rare in the hobby, you really can't find any information on them. Um, but this is, this is a okay picture of them, I guess, even though it's tiny. Um, kind of like that. So they're, they're an elephant nose species, but they don't have the full on elephant proboscis like Peter's eye has. They have this kind of stumpy little lip that sticks out that they use instead. And this and the other mamirids, they're really interesting. They're an electric fish, but they're not like an electric eel or an electric catfish that is going to zap you to death. Instead, they use their electricity to communicate and to locate. So if you think of like a dolphin with sonar using sound to locate things and to communicate, that's what these fish do, but they use electrical pulses instead. So you can actually take an electric meter, put it in the tank, and, and see them as they talk to each other and as they go around um, looking for food and things. I grew up with mamirids. I really like them. Um, my fish godfather had a big tank with uh, Peter's eye and Bollinger in it couple different species of big elephant nose. These don't get very big. These are going to top out at about four inches, so they're going to stay small. Um, so I've kept my myrids in the past. I, I like them a lot, but I've never sold them before. So this is going to be a bit of an experiment. Um, I think I know how to ship fish really well. These are a scaleless fish. They have a reputation for being very difficult to ship and things. I think I can do it. I've shipped lots of fish that have that reputation without a problem. Um, but this is something we're going to try and hopefully it goes well and everyone ships fine. Or if it's a disaster, then I know, look, I'm not doing mamirids again. But I like them so much. They're fish I grew up with um, that I want to give it a try. They're just such an interesting, really different family of fishes. And again, that species doesn't get very big, three, four inches, if I remember right. We got some Microlesti Stormsi, which are these neat little tetras, and they get this nice red adipose fin and some orange colors in them. They're looking pretty good, actually. The ones that we have in look pretty darn good. Another tetra, this is one you, you never see. Um, this is Nanocherix latifasciatus. And this is actually what they look like. They're like an African pencil tetra, if you will, or an African pencil fish, more or less. And this is a very good representation of what they look like color-wise and size-wise and body shape. So that's a good picture. All right, some more killifish. Um, this is Poropanchax luxothalmus. And they're really hard to get a picture of because their main color is this neon green on them. So you can kind of see it here. This is a decent picture of them here. Um, you can almost see it here, but the picture is overexposed. Here's my picture of them. It's not great, but you can, you can see the green a little bit. But a really neat killifish. 
uh, a nice schooling lamp eye killifish, bright glowing eye. And they're called the, the neon green lamp eye for a reason. They really are this green iridescence once they settle in. Got some rope fish. I've never um, tried rope fish before. So I, I think they'll ship okay. I think I know what I'm doing, but this is another one that I'm gonna try. And based on the results, we might continue selling or not. But rope fish are neat. They're I guess I would describe them describe them as like a smaller, more manageable, less aggressive Bashir or biker. Um, yeah, Flipterus. So yeah, that, that's, I think, how I would describe it. Now, I'm not an expert on rope fish. They're doing well. They're eating well and all that. Um, but thank goodness we have Dragon La Lady, a.k.a. Haley. <laughs> so um, <laughs> it's a member of the fam that can give us all the rope fish information. But I've been wanting to try them for a while, and this was the opportunity to try it. I did get in a knife fish. This is the smallest of the knife fish. These guys typically get around eight inches or so. They can get as big as say 12 inches from what the literature says, but I don't know if I've ever seen one that big. Yeah, eight inches I think is a pretty good size one. 12 inches is probably like the record. So that's the reason I got them. They're more manageable. Most of the knife fish species get just really big and are hard to keep. <clears throat> But these you could keep in a, a, a tank size that a lot of hobbyists would normally have, say a 55 or something like that without any problem. Again, eight inch fish. They kind of become a wet pet. They, when I go up to the tank, they kind of come out now because they want to get fed. And it's only been about a couple of weeks. Not as shy as a lot of the knife fish. Um, and they're not as aggressive either. So there's also the Asian, the brown Asian knife fish. And it's similar to this, but it does have a dorsal fin. That's how you can tell the difference. And the other difference is the Asian knife fish gets, is a lot more aggressive too. So these African knife fish, I would say if you want to get into knife fish, are the one to start with. They are small and they're less aggressive than a lot of the knife fish species. Now they'll eat any fish that they can easily fit in their mouth. They are a predator, but they're not going to bother fish that are too big for them to, to eat. So shouldn't be a big problem. We did get some more um, Aphiosemum caliurum in um, from what, Agobla, I think is the collection point. I'd have, to, I'd have to check where the collection point is. Really pretty little killifish. This is a good, that's a good representation of them. Although they do get more extensions. Here you go. This is better. They get more extensions on the anal fin. I'm in the tail fin. Um, neat little fish. We got some leaf fish in, um, and I believe it's the Breviata, but I'm kind of guessing, um, the bags weren't labeled. <laughs> this is something exporters do sometimes. I just got boxes of fish with no labels on them. So I think it's this one. I was invoiced for South American leaf fish, but I know they're not that because they came out of Nigeria and they look different than the South Americans. So um, I believe, yeah, this is the one from Nigeria. Yeah, I believe this is it. Um, they get about three inches, so they don't become these big monsters, but they are a dedicated predators. So they do need 
live foods. Uh, you might be able to train them to frozen mice and shrimp and things, but they're, they're really neat to see eat. Their, their mouth just literally, they open it up and it just goes, boom, becomes this big trumpet. It expands like crazy. The last one to show you is another mamirid. This is just a, a different species. It looks kind of, it's more, it's longer and more long, uh, narrow, I guess. It looks kind of like a little sperm whale. Um, and this is going to top out again, I, I think at around three inches or so, give or take a bit on these guys. Um, so they stay small. Another kind of electric fish, but not a shock you fish. Just that's how they get around the world. Um, yeah. And I, I love it. I looked at this and I was like, wait, that's the same picture. Just turned around. They just flipped it. It's like everyone's ripping off everyone's pictures. <laughs> like, I'm going to flip it. No one will know. <laughs> so those are what we got in. Um, let me exit out of all these windows because that's taking a lot of bandwidth. So that's kind of the Google version. Real quickly, and this won't take much longer, let me show you the um, dance fish version. So these are pictures of the actual fish in stock right now for you to see. But I like to show you kind of Google because sometimes when they come in, they're small, they're not fully colored. So I like to show you, um, you know, their potential. But right now, here's a butterfly fish side view. Here's one from the top view. Red eye tetra. See that flag fin? I love that, that yellow on black. I think that's a really pretty color combination. Here's the Alestes, the blue diamond. And I'm sorry, it's really hard to catch the blue. I just got a, we just got a little glimmer of it here on the top, but in person, it's more than that. <laughs> Another picture of them. There, that, that's a little better. At least you're showing, you know, we're showing some more blue on it and getting a hint of the blue on the belly. But again, really hard fish to take a good picture of. Here's a um, Bivitatum, another, another, here's the Gracilis. See how their bellies aren't like sunken in, but they just aren't big and fat yet. So I want to fatten them up more before I sell them. This is a mystery. I don't know what this is. Um, got a bag of them. They weren't labeled at all. Some kind of kerosene. Don't know what. I have it out for identification, so hopefully we'll know soon. Here's another mystery. It looks kind of like a Brycinus, but I'm not quite sure. Like a Longapinus from that dark spot on the tail there. Um, maybe a juvenile, but I'm not quite sure. Then this is another mystery. This looks like a Suprinid of some kind, some kind of barb that came in, but it wasn't labeled, so I'm still trying to track down <laughs> what they are. Here's one of the Achaio, the Epiplates species. This is a female. Here's one of the males. And this is the, the latest batch. These are pictures from, that were taken today and yesterday. Another female. One of the Hemichromis. Another one. Oh, sorry, King Tiger Pleco and a uh, L201 Pleco that we were getting pictures of as well. <laughs> this is the elephant nose, the kind of uh, fatter one, the angolensis, which is a subspecies, but it's a valid taxa uh, according to uh, ITIS, the government site that keeps track of uh, current scientific names. 
This is the storm size. See how red the they get a lot of red on them on that adipose fin. Just a neat little tetra. Another one. This is the nano nanocherex, the African pencil tetra, if you will. Here's another one. Luxothalmus barely showing the green on them. They get a lot more green than that, but it gives you an idea. Ropefish posing. <laughs> Another shot of the ropefish. And is that it? Oh, nope. Here is the, um, the knife fish. And I believe that takes us to the end. So that's what we got in. Um, for those that have been waiting for that order, I've been waiting for this order for over a year, and it finally came in. Not everything came in. There were some neat killifish species that I really wanted that just they didn't get. Um, it's the beginning of the wet season there, and so fish are getting difficult to collect, and some of the habitats are flooded and things like that. So this time of year, there's limited availability, but we did what we could. And um, once those synodonists get... Well, hopefully they do get one better. Once the synodontists, if they continue on the path they're on, they should be ready, I would guess, in a couple of weeks. Um, be all fattened up and ready to go, but it's going to take a little time. Okay, my lips are dry. All right, that is what we've got going on. Um, oh, something else about the mamirids, the, you know, call them baby whales, baby dolphins, things like that in the pet trade is they might be able to get trained to eat pellets and fiber bites and things, but they aren't right now. Right now they're eating frozen foods and live foods. So they'll need blood worms and brine shrimp and stuff like that. So um, they're another one. You can't just, you know, drop in some flake food and, and expect them to be okay. All right. With that, let's get to um, the questions and comments. I am Behind that took that took 35 minutes to get through that, but that's good. That means it was a cool. Um, <laughs> there's a lot to go through, um, and we have another import coming next week, so it's going to be crazy here at Dance Fish. I'm trying to view. I know some people left some super chats, but it's not showing me. Huh? Usually, when you go here and click on viewer activity, that'll show you the super chats. So you can thank people, but it says. Says there haven't been any, but I know there were. So if you super chatted, I'm going to do my best to find you. If I can't find you, I'm sorry. Um, YouTube is not listing it there where I can normally see it. So if chat hasn't gone down too far, then I'll be able to see it. Um, got one right here from Alex. Hey, the secret history living in your aquarium, throwing down five bucks. Thanks so much. Always appreciated, never required, but it does make my wife super happy when money falls through the computer into the bank account. So thank you so much. Um, he says, those barbs have sunken bellies. It, we're talking about the barboides uh, gracilis as much as the uh, erythromicron seem to, don't know why, gut biome change due to antibiotics. Thanks for being you. Yeah, I don't know why either. I, on the erythromycons and gracilis and what are other ones? Um, Boraris species, like the chili rasboras and things like that. Um, the celestial pearl danios, a lot of the nano fish, a lot of the fish that kind of gone micro do have that. And I don't know if it's a gut biome change or anything, or it just might be that they're small and 
in certain points of the industry, they might go without food too long during the shipping process and stuff. Since they're small, maybe they can't go without food as long as, you know, larger fish can. So I notice it more in the smaller fish like that than in the larger species. Um, so I don't know if it's a size thing or something else like a gut biome change. No idea. One of my missions, though, and something I'm working on and doing, I think, a fairly good job of, though, is is trying to find sources where they don't come in like that, because I want to support the breeders and exporters that aren't sending us pinch-bellied fish, that are caring for the fish properly so they come in in decent shape, right? So as I do this, you know, some come in good shape, some don't come in good shape, and basically... I keep track of, well, from this person, don't buy this fish. From this person, this person always has healthy fish. Buy these from them, you know, so that we can reward the people that do it right, basically. Well, it makes sense from a business standpoint, too, right? Because you're getting healthier fish, <laughs> so, so they'll live so you can sell them. But also, something we're trying to do is just change the industry so things are done uh, responsibly and humanely and respecting the fish as living creatures, Um and so part of that is finding the good suppliers. Tone, Tony, 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 Tony has done it again. Nine ninety nine. Hey, thanks so much. Hey, now they're now one's showing up. The other ones didn't show up though. Stephanie Dominguez just left when this showed up, but Alex's didn't show up and Tone Tony didn't show up either, but I see it here. Hey, Dan, thanks for teaching me about empty fecal casts today. Looking forward to my next purchase. <laughs> You're welcome. Yep, empty fecal casts. What are those? That's what we often call white stringy poop. So I think there's a misconception that we have widespread in the aquarium hobby, which is that if a fish has white stringy poop, it automatically has parasites and I don't know why my lips are so dry today. It's probably part of these allergies. Um, that it's got parasites and it needs treatment. And it's like, maybe what white stringy poop is, is empty fecal casts. Um, so basically, it's, the, it's fish diarrhea. When fish have white stringy poop, that's diarrhea, just like when you and I eat something that doesn't agree with us, right? Ours manifests differently, but that's how theirs manifests, this white stringy poop. What does that mean? Well, all it means is they have diarrhea. It could be from a parasite that we need to treat, or it could be caused by a stomach flu, like a virus, right? Or it could be caused by a bacteria. Like if, if we get E. coli in our gut, we're going to have problems, right? So any of the things that give you and I diarrhea as far as, not the exact organisms, but think about it. It could be a parasite, it could be a virus, could be bacteria, could just be stress. Maybe you've been burning the midnight oil and working nonstop, or maybe you and your partner are having a fight that's lasting for a few days and you're just so stressed. Um, or you've got a big job interview or something, or you're traveling a lot, you know, just that can cause it sometimes. <laughs> Not that I would know that from personal experience, but, um, my, my point is the white stringy poop doesn't always mean parasites. It's not always going to be treated with uh, general cure. Um, it, it could be. And I'm not saying you shouldn't try it because general cure is so mild. I don't think there's a problem using it. But that's not always what it is. How do I know this? 
because a fish veterinarian, let me find it. I'm going to link this. Dr. Jesse Sanders. Let me find this video and link it. Okay, how can I do this without playing the video? Okay, there we go. Got it. I didn't want the sound to come on. So here's the video from Dr. Jesse Sanders. She is an actual veterinarian. Um, and here's her video on White Stringy Poop where she explains all this. So I just linked it if you'd like to learn more about that. Um, so I think that just fish health and medicine and our, our hobbyist diagnoses, industry diagnoses really, um, are... Things are a lot more nuanced than we think. It's not always like there is this symptom, therefore it's got to be this thing. It's like, well, that symptom could be caused by lots of different things. It's like white spots. Um, we see white spots, we automatically think ick. But there are over 20 pathogens in freshwater fish that can cause white spots. I know that from another veterinarian conversation. So it's not always ick. Now, often it is. And those with, with experience, we can kind of look and see if a fish has ick. And usually it does, but often we hear of things called like super ick, right? That man, it's not being treated with the ick medicine that always treats ick. Well, we're assuming it is ick, but maybe it isn't. Maybe super ick is something else altogether, but we see white spots. We automatically think, oh, that's got to be ick, which is a specific organism. But the way we talk about ick in the industry and in the hobby, we aren't necessarily talking about a specific organism, even though that's what actual ick is. We're just talking about white spots. So it's this, it's this funny thing. Anyway, you're welcome, Tom Tony. You can add empty fecal casts to your next dinner, dinner conversation, right? <laughs> that's, I have dating advice for you. Anyone going out on their first date, if you really want to impress someone, talk about your knowledge of empty fecal casts in fish, and I'm sure you'll have a second date. Positive. Holy cow, there are a lot of super chats coming in. Let's see if I can catch up with them. Stephanie Dominguez, 999. Hey, thanks for the generosity. That's awesome, Stephanie. Hey, Dan, the Rosie Tetris from the giveaway last week arrived yesterday and are doing great things. Awesome. I hope you like them. They're good size and should show good color pretty shortly if they haven't settled in yet. Holy cow. Thank guys, thanks for all these super chats. This is a lot. I appreciate this. I should talk about imports more often. <laughs> Stephen, I remember it's Stephen, not Stefan. P, 20, uh, 2003. Have you ever shipped full-grown and citrus, 45 inches? Would two, three mil bags work? I have shipped um, full-grown and citrus. I assume we're talking about your standard bushy nose uh, type species. And I think a couple, three mil bags would work, but I would do four of them. I wouldn't do two of them. There's no, I mean, they're cheap, right? Use for. Um, and I haven't had any problems with them popping the bags. Now, something with them that could be an extra zone of safety, though, is if you do like four layers, and then if you put that in a box with another layer of bag around it that isn't actually like touching those bags. So if you pack newspaper around it or something, that way if they do poke through it, it's not going to flood out and damage all the other packages around. It'll be contained by that sec. Well, at that point, it'd be the fifth bag, I guess, that's separated from the the inside package, so that the fish's spine literally can't 
get to it if it did poke through <clears throat> the initial bagging would be the safe a very safe way to do it um i know sometimes they also send fish like that in um hard plastic like water bottles that are in the bag that are perf you perforate the water bottle put the pleco in there um or plastic container in there put that in the bag so it's floating in the bag with the pleco in it so it's got this hard thing between it and the bag that could work but i think within cistrus you'll be fine if if i would say four three mil bags should probably be okay and geez if it isn't i'm going to feel real bad but i've never had a problem with that species EM throwing down five Canadian dollars, pounds. I'm going with dollars. <laughs> Hashtag lurker nation came out a lurking to throw money at us. Thank you so much, EM. Always appreciated. Never required, but every bit does help. Trish KCMO throwing out five bucks. Love the pitcher unboxings. Actually get to see what came in. That posing rope fish was awesome. Yeah, we got we got lucky. That that fish, like, stood there and just stayed there for a bit. So Chris was like, snap, 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 snap. <laughs> fish tank barn. Mike throwing down three bucks. Thanks so much, Mike. Good to see you. Hope you're doing well. And hey, speaking of Chris, looks like Chris threw down a super chat, but it won't let me see it yet. So we're gonna have to wait to see what that was. Guys, thanks for the super chats. That's amazing. That was like a big making it rain flurry of super chats. I appreciate it. Okay. Let's look for another question and comment. Ginger Graves throwing out the love. Oh, that was to Maria Z. Oh man. <laughs> I saw those hearts and was like, Oh, love you too. All right. I get it. I get it. Actually. Yeah. I'm thinking of you too, Maria. I hope everything's going well with, with you and what you guys have going on right now. Fishaholic. Where is that gin and tonic now or vodka with Sprite? Lol. Hello from Olympia, Washington, AKA Sean. You'll never know, Sean. All you know is it's clear. And as the night goes on, <laughs> I get loopier, but that's probably just cause I'm tired. <laughs> HD Aqua asking if people been breeding those bumblebee gobies in the hobby. Um, I don't know if the Xanthomelis has been bred, but I would think so. Uh, bumblebee gobies aren't necessarily hard to breed. They're difficult to raise, but getting eggs isn't necessarily difficult. But I don't know. I didn't look into that to see if the Xantho, um, if the freshwaters are being bred in the hobby. Orange Cones, I volunteer for you to send me a box of baby whale fish for free. You're welcome. I'll send you lots of pics. All right, fish for pics. <laughs> Orange Cones would make an amazing like furniture salesman or saleswoman. <laughs> you need this nice stand. Let me tell you why. <laughs> Chris Yeager throwing out two bucks for combining fish poop with dating advice. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. I'm here for you, Chris. <laughs> we're gonna crack that code <laughs> all right and swamp thing throwing down five bucks thanks swamp thing i appreciate it um for your nigeria collection video fund can't wait this is to put towards the anti-insect poncho anti-insect poncho oh for when i actually go to nigeria and need to keep the mosquitoes from biting me thank you thank you so much 
It's one thing, when will you be posting these African fish for sale? Good question, and I can't believe I didn't say that. We plan on listing them for sale Friday morning. Um, so we're getting the pictures ready, we're building the listings. Tomorrow, here's the thing, Chris is sick. <laughs> so he's trying. Sorry, Chris, I don't think Chris will mind me sharing this with you. He's trying, he, he comes in and he's got like a couple hours and it's like, I gotta go back to bed, right? And um, I'm feeling a little weird too, but if we're both still okay tomorrow, then the plan is um, we'll shoot the kind of new fish tour video tomorrow and then edit it out and edit it out. That sounds weird. Edit it out. That sounds like Morse code. Edit it out. Da -da 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 -da. Edit it out um, tomorrow and... That way we can list the fish for sale Friday morning at the same time we list the video. So what I try to do is release the video and then immediately list all the fish, basically. So seeing the video pop up is the notification that the fish have been listed for sale. We hope to do that Friday morning. Um, health seems a little nebulous at this time, though, so hopefully we're going to be fine. <laughs> HC Aqua, guess what? Finally have no scuds. All right. I'm HC Aqua has a um, a hate affair with scuds. Been trying to get rid of them for a long time. Did you just like Dimolin X every tank, 5X the dosage or something? Um, curious how you did that, Jesse, just so that anyone else who wants to get rid of their scuds can. Personally, I love the scuds, but... What was the secret? What finally got them gone? Because I know you've been battling them for a couple years, I think, right? And hopefully they're really gone. <laughs> like a month from now, I bet you're going to be watching a tank and be like, no, no, no. It's a little scud scooting around. Peeps Lost Sheep, are Bumblebee Gobi safe with adult cherry shrimp? With adults, I think so. I haven't tried it, but I think with adults, yeah. Um, molt might be an issue and babies will definitely eat, but I think they'd be okay with adults. Now I haven't tried it. So that's not firsthand knowledge. That's just me thinking of what I know about both species and be like, yeah, I think that's worth a try. Orange cones. I think those micro fish are harder to ship as they don't have much reserves. Yeah. I think that might be part of it. <clears throat> it's my guess, my best guess. Mikey M, or is it Mickey? Oh, we had this conversation. I forgot. I'm going with Mikey. Mikey M, lurking and almost sleeping over here in Europe. Yeah, that time difference, right? To me, it looked more like a bitaniatum than bivitatum. By the way, check new laws regarding Killies, USA to Brazil. Like, are they going to allow us to get Killies from Brazil again? Because that would be cool. Huh. I'm intrigued. I'll have to see about that. Um, it's a it's a vivitatum. It's what we commonly refer to as the Lagos Red, but with the more specific collection point. It was collected at Agobwa, Agabwa. Uh, how do you say that that village's name? That river's name. Um, so it, it it is a. Uh, it is a biv. I mean, well, let's double check that. The Lagos Red is a biv, right? Not a 
Vitaniata. Um, Theosimian Okay, so people can call, kind of follow along with what we're looking at here. Bitinium. I feel Simeon. So there's a couple species of kind of chromaphia simians that look similar. And you might be right. I, I might have to dig into this a little bit. So You know what? I bet it is a bivitatum. You might be right. Oh, wait. Yeah, that's what I listed it as, was a bivitatum. So, okay, this should do it. So these are the bivitatums. If we just kind of look at Aphrosimian bivitatums. And then these are the bitaniatoms. Let me get rid of logos because that's skewing the search. Right? Very similar. Um, bitaniatum is in reference to these kind of two dark stripes that they have on them. But some of the some of the bivs have those two. Well, that's bivitatum. There's a bitaniatum. Yeah, th okay. This is a collection point that's known and loved forever. Like, this is one that's well known. Although that picture's not great. There we go. This is a, a well-known collection point of the Bitaniatum. But it's kind of hard to tell. Like, if you're looking at that and looking at this, like, they're very similar looking. So, um, my understanding is that they are, in fact, a, a Bivitatum, but I could look into that more, Mikey or Mickey. <laughs> Mike, <laughs> Mikey, <laughs> I think it was. I'm sorry, man. I know we had that conversation. Aquarics, aquatics. When you're eating dinner and your wife agrees to let you watch fans stream, a uh, dance stream, and then he talks about poop. <laughs> hey, I'm just here to help with your love life. You know, Dr. Dan is in the house. <laughs> the love doctor. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to the wife. <laughs> Buddy Viper. Hey, I have a plant farm tank with a few fish, soil full of tiny white eel-like creatures. What are they? Hurting my fish, what do you think? I'm throwing love and thanks your way. We'll love right back at you. Um, no, I don't think they're going to hurt anything. I don't know what they are from that description. There's lots of stuff. It could be planaria, it could be detritus worms, but um, I would highly doubt that it's anything that's going to hurt your fish. If anything, it's probably going to be food for your fish is my guess. If they have an arrowhead, planaria. Okay. So if they have an arrowhead, this is kind of what a planaria looks like. See, it's kind of got this triangular head shape to it. That's more like, a, that's a planaria. Harmless flatworm, um, pretty much like a snail as far as it's the role it plays in an aquarium. 
And then another common worm is a detritus worm, which, oh, this is, this is a great picture. Are these things, it's kind of a lot skinnier, like more like a small, tiny little round worm than a flat worm, right? And those, as far as I've found, are a great food source too. Like I'll, I'll purposely farm those sometimes in with my black worm cultures or whatever. I'll get some and I'll take them out and I'll grow a little colony of them. And then I'll feed that to the little fish and they eat them just like grindle worms or white worms or anything. So no, I think, I think what you've got there is food bonus. Now what it does mean is there's a lot of nutrients in your tank. Um, so I don't know if that's an indication of overfeeding or just there's a lot of decaying organics in there. Um, if it's overfeeding and, and you have a population of other critters eating besides your fish, then it's not really overfeeding, right? It's feeding the ecosystem, not just the fish. So if you like the little critters, then there's no reason not to keep feeding them the same amount. But if it's because there's a lot of decaying organics that they're feeding on, then they're not the only thing feeding on that. Um, there's going to be a lot of other things, funguses and uh, protozoans and bacteria feeding on that too. And those could be an issue. So just some stuff to keep in mind as you think about how to manage that. Ginger Graves throwing down $4.99. Well, that was an interesting dinner conversation. <laughs> hey. I always say empty fecal casts are better than full fecal casts, <laughs> especially at dinner. <laughs> I'm excited to see butterfly fish. My lone butterfly will be getting a friend. Oh, cool. Yeah. They are, I have to say, it's, I've got a, you know, good sized group of them in a 75 gallon tank and it is neat to watch them interact with each other. Uh, there's a lot more activity than when you just have one or two or whatever. I've, I've seen them in smaller numbers frequently. Um, I think I've got, is there like... 30 of them in there or something. Um, I don't have the number with me right here in front of me, but it's a, it's a good sized group and they're pretty interactive. Rocha Nubao. Is it better to have a heater in every tank or a room heater? Thank you. Well, it depends on what you're trying to do, but in general, a room tank. I, I haven't used in-tank heaters for years, except... I do have one tank here right now that has a heater in it because it had some Arisius matanensis in it, which is a rice fish that likes it pretty hot. And so I heated that tank. Um, I also just ran out of black rams, but when I had black rams in stock, I had their tank heated to about 86 degrees or so. And so the temperature in here, the tanks in here are generally in the mid to upper 70s. So if I get a, a specific fish in, discus, certain rice fish, um, German rams, things like that, then I do have to put a heater in the tank because they're not going to do well down at those lower temperatures. But apart from that, I think heating the room is the way to go. If, if your room's insulated, it'll save a ton on electricity. And the problem with heaters is they're often unreliable, so they'll often just stop working. And when they stop working, they'll stick on or stick off. If they stop working when they're on, then they won't shut off and they can get your water really, really hot when they malfunction that way. If they break when they're stuck off, then they just won't heat at all and the tank will get cold for you. 
But when they stick on, it's a big problem because the, that you could come in and your water's like, why is it 110 degrees? Why are the fish all dead? It's because the, the heater malfunctioned. So I think it's safer and probably more cost effective, less bothersome and probably cheaper to heat the whole room. However, that's not an option. Or if you really want to, for some reason, not do that, you can insulate your tanks. You can wrap the sides of the tank, not the front panel you want to see, right? But the sides, the back and the bottom, you can put, you know, cheap styrofoam insulation on that. Or better yet, that kind of metallic bubble wrap stuff. Um, let me show you just one second. So this tank behind me is 125 gallon and you can't see it, but the bottom, back and sides are all wrapped with this stuff and sealed with this stuff. It's, it's basically a bubble wrap with the metallic side on it. Um, originally this was a discus tank. And so I did that because I had a heater in it and I wanted to save on heating costs. So if you have a whole bunch of tanks and you want to heat them, the most cost effective way to do it, if you're individually heating each tank with the heater, some kind of insulation and you'll be, a, it really is worth it. Um, it really does help a ton with your heating bill. I just saw that Nurse Beckus threw some money at me. Nurse Beckus, thanks so much. Throwing down $19.99. I don't know if I've seen that sticker emoji. Throwing hearts at me. Now look at this, guys. I don't, I, I don't know if I've seen this one before. Look at this. It's kind of cool. <laughs> Love right back at you, nurse. Thanks so much for the super chat. Always appreciated. Never required. But it really does help when money falls from the sky. I'm not going to lie. Okay, let me scroll back up and we'll get to more questions and comments here. I haven't thanked my moderators yet. Mods, thanks so much for being here. Um, I know that the chat's getting busier. We're growing. And so I am looking at getting some help, uh, getting maybe a, a couple more people. Um, just so there's less burden, maybe... Every now and then someone's like, you know what? I just want to wash tonight. I don't want to work tonight. And you guys can be like, okay, we got you. <laughs> you know, <laughs> get someone to break occasionally, things like that. So, um, yeah, I, I am, we're, we're talking about that and got some people lined up. Bunny Viper. Hey, I have, wait, 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 wait. We already did that one. Gotcha. That was the planarius slash detritus worm question. Why is it so hard to screw a lid on a water bottle? There we go. All right. Bunny Viper. Oh, I have 60 some albino topaz angel fish. Angel fin. Angel fish, I'm going to guess. Angel fin guppy fry. Three to four weeks. Need good homes. What is an Angel fin guppy. What's an angel fin guppy? Is that a specific type of fin that I don't know about? <clears throat> I'm not sure what that is. But cool, I'm glad you were able to raise some, some fry. HC Aqua, I just have no aquariums or fish at the moment due to moving to a new place. Oh, okay. 
<laughs> That'll do it. <laughs> the, the one thing that scuds don't like is getting dry. You know, that'll, they turn into these crispy little salad toppings for those that are still eating with their significant others. Give it a try. It's delicious. Um, I got you, Jesse. Cool. Well, I hope the new place is awesome. I hope you get set back up in, hey, fresh slate, clean start. It's one way. That's one way to get rid of scuds. You move. <laughs> I guess that'll do it. <laughs> All right, hang on. Chat just jumped, so I'm trying to catch up here. There we go. Okay, hang on. I see. I see. Gotcha. Is it Connie Wilcox? Koine or Connie? You know, it's Connie Wilcox. A single bumblebee goby with a single scarlet baddis and five pygmy grami and 12 neon tetras. Thoughts? I have them all, but the goby already. I would really like to add one. Um, full grown scarlet baddis won't be a problem. Pygmy grammies won't be a problem. I think that would be fine. The, the thing you're going to have to figure out is how to make sure that the goby and the baddis get enough food when they're competing with neon tetras. Um, and, and you can do it. You just have to target feed them a little bit. Those tetras are going to eat the food up a lot quicker than the baddis and the goby will. So that'll be something to, to figure out. But as far as like compatibility, personality, and things like that, I think you'll be fine. Lunatic Fringe. Hey, Chewy. The different coloration points of the aphos... Aphiosimians, I think, are amazing, various different coloration. What would be your favorite killifish of the Congo River Basin be? I couldn't choose. I would probably go with some kind of lamp eye. Um, I've always wanted Congo Panchex Brashardi. I've never had it yet. My friend Steve Ehrlich had it, and I fell in love with them. Um, but it'd probably be something like that. But yeah, Aphiosimians just... Just some quick eye candy for folks. If you're ever bored and you want to see some amazing looking fish, just type in Aphiosimian, which is the genus name for a big group of killifish, and check these out. Like, they're all so pretty. If you need a moment of zen, like, oh man, tough day at work, type in Aphiosimian and just scroll. Ah, oh, that's better. Look at those. My gosh. Oh, killifish are amazing. Mickey M, never seen a bivitotum spotted with those pure red fins. <laughs> Mikey is okay. <laughs> well, I'm going to probably go back and forth. Mickey, Mikey. I know it's probably Mickey because it's got a, a vowel, an I, and then two consonants before the E. Um, <laughs> I'll never remember. So never seen spotted bivitatum. Like might be right. I'll, I'll dig into that, but I'm, I'm pretty darn sure that they're they're um, they're bivs, not bits. But hey, let me write it down actually, so I don't. Because yeah, the Lagos red variation, which I believe is firmly established as a bivitatum, right? 
Biv or Bit. I'll check into that though to make sure. I'll get on the AKA site and look at the collection point. Bunny Vipers in. I can't see their face, Dan. Thanks so much. I've already forgotten what the conversation was, Bunny Viper, so I'm sorry. I don't remember. Swamp Thing, any tips to feed quarries, um, like PVC tubes, etc., in a tank full of active, hungry fish-like rainbows? Yeah. Um, some kind of, like, so like the ultimate quarry feeder, I guess, in a tank like that would be an upside down flower pot with a hole knocked down on the side towards the bottom where the quarries can swim in. And then a PVC pipe going in a hole on the top of the flower pot too. And then you take a PVC pipe, stick it down in the hole, put the food in there, wait till it falls in the flower pot and then pull it out. Right. And turn it so that, <laughs> so that the rainbow fish don't see the food in the pot. Cause they'll eventually learn. Or like maybe there's a PVC entrance to the pot too that they'd have to swim through. Something like that would be the ultimate way to do it. Um, but you do, if you have a tank full of hungry rainbow fish, you are going to have to find a way to target feed them somehow. Um, but yeah, something like that would work. Alex, aquatic animals. Can guppies and pygmy corridors go with gobies? Uh, depends on the species of gobies. There's, there's like... Some gobies are huge and carnivorous, um, and some are tiny little peaceful things. Um, but if you're talking about the bumblebee gobies, <clears throat> pygmy quarries, absolutely. Guppies, yeah. Yeah, I think you'd be fine. Just make sure you don't have such a big, massive mob of guppies that they outcompete the quarries or the gobies for food. Kyle's Aquarimetrics. Forgot to mention in my note that the Black Ram arrived at 82 to 83 degrees in the box. Boom! That's what I'm talking about. And it's doing great. It's even making friends with some Epistos in the tank. So that little Black Ram had its breeding tube down a couple days before I sent it. Um, so there was no one else in the tank, so it didn't have a partner, but I, I could tell it was feeling frisky. So hopefully it's uh, settled in and that's a good sign, I think, when they're fat and happy now they're breeding tube down. So I'm glad he's doing well for you. I'm glad that he arrived, or she actually, I think that might be a female, um, in such good shape. Wrapping in aquariums, his lunatic fringe, is also good for power outages too. Right, whether you heat it or not, an old Canadian trick. Yeah, that's right. It'll lose heat quicker. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. Sorry for the dead air here, but chat keeps jumping, so I'm scrolling up frantically trying to find out where we were. There we were. Hey, Dragon Layer. Hope you're doing well, Dragon Layer. Good to see ya. Turn the lid the wrong way till it seats, then tighten. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's just, uh, yeah. After drinking half a, half a water bottle of whatever this is, my motor function's dropping. See? See? Yep. It's that time of night where you start spilling on yourself. Alex Aquatic Animals, my koi tuxedo guppies got a lot of babies now. Do you think it's a good idea to put the fry in a bucket full of plants? It could be. I think it's hard to beat a nice established tank, though, for raising a big group of, buck, of, of bucket fry, of guppy fry. So, um, 
I guess the risk is this. A bucket isn't necessarily a fully established long-term type of ecosystem. Maybe it is. Maybe you're like, I've had this bucket up for five years. It's got a filter in it. It's planted. But usually a bucket is just like a temporary thing. And in my experience, when you're trying to raise large numbers of fish from babies, a nice established ecosystem is the way to go. There's so much food, gen- which generates so much waste that it's hard for a temporary type setup to com- to keep up with it. Now, when they're very first starting, I often start frying like little shoebox plastic containers, no filtration or anything, right? But I change the water like three, four times a day and I feed often live things that aren't going to like decompose in there like flake food would if it wasn't eaten. So, um, if you're doing four water changes a day, maybe it's okay. But what I'm picturing is, oops, got fry. I'm going to take this bucket, fill it with water, put some plants in it and put a bunch of fry in it. And I don't think that's established enough to keep up the long term with the load of waste those babies are going to generate. Danikin Aquatics. Hello, Dan. Hello, Danny and Kenny E. Good to see you guys. Globe Gaming, any tip for pea puffers? Um, a couple of things with pea puffers is I personally don't trust them with any other fish. They're very nippy and have a lot of structure in the tank, whether that's plants or like, I don't know, like a mermaid castle or whatever, bogwood, driftwood, whatever. But a lot of stuff in the tank. So there's a lot of visual barriers and things. And they like to explore. They're very inquisitive. And then lots of live and frozen foods, meaty stuff is what they're going to want to eat. So that's, that's my best tips for the puffers. Oh, and get healthy ones. Don't get anything with a pinched belly. It's going to be, take a lot of TLC to get them back and, and sometimes a few months to get them back to health if they survive. So watch, make sure they're eating before you buy them if you can or get them from a really reliable source. Make sure they're full bellied. And when you watch the meat, Don't just watch them suck the food in. Watch them suck the food in and then watch them for a couple minutes to make sure they actually swallow it. Puffers are very tricksy in that they'll, it's like Gollum, he's tricksy, right? They'll they'll grab the food and you'll be like, great, he's eating. And what you won't see is that it's just kind of mouthing it for a little while and then 30 seconds later it goes and spits it out. It didn't actually eat it, right? So make sure they're actually swallowing. Alex Aquatic Animals, how much do you think I should sell koi guppy fry? Because I saw people sell them $30 for 10 of them. Um, it, it so depends on your area and your market and um, your customer base and the quality of the strain. There's so many variables. So I couldn't really answer that, Alex. What I would say is find six other people that are selling them or, or look at six other listings, see the price range. And then decide, no, mine are the best in the world. I'm going to charge the highest price. Or um, I don't really know the origin of mine. I'll charge a cheap price. Or I think mine are okay. I'll put them in the middle. Like that's what I would advise. But you can also change it. You can list them. And if they sell, you got the right price. If they don't sell, maybe you need to play with the, uh, the amount. It really is something you have to get a feel for, though. 
Hello, gaming. Any tips for pee puffers? I already got that. <laughs> so nice, I got it twice. <laughs> Mikey M. No, no, no. Oh, did I? I probably misunderstood your. I meant Bivitatum is always spotted from. Oh, God, got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Red Lagos is Bitaniatum. Yeah, I'll look it up, Mikey. I might have it wrong. Um, I thought it was uh, Bivitatum, but. I've always got Bivitatum and Bitaniatum mixed up, always, since the beginning. So I could very well have just flipped it in my mind. So I'm going to, I've made a note. I will get on the AKA website, look at the collection point, and get that clarified. You might be right. Alex Aquatic Animals, I've had the bucket for a month and I have five buckets. I mean, you could try it, Alex. It's totally up to you. But to me, an established aquarium is like, well-established is several months old and been going and, and had stock efficient and things. I'm not saying don't do it. I'm just saying the danger you're going to run into is that um, you're going to be generating tons of waste. So the challenge is how do you keep enough food in front of young fish that they are constantly eating because that's what they need to do. And when they do that, they create a ton of waste. So how do you provide all that food and still keep the water clean and stable? And it's easiest to do that <clears throat> in a long established aquarium. But I'm not saying don't do it, but you just, you know, you could do it, play with it and you'll find a balance. Maybe it's like, okay, I can do it, but I have to change 50% of the water like every two days or no, it's fine. I can change it every two weeks. You know, I don't know, but I'm just saying that's the danger of doing it. Um, I don't think it's ideal, but I think it could be done. Oh, this is great news. Swamp Thing. I've got dozens of Cali Jamas Fry eating VBS and many more on the way. That's awesome. Looking forward to helping to establish this amazing fish you've introduced here to the hobby. I'm so glad to hear that. It makes my little heart sing whenever there is a species of fish in a lot of rainbow fish fall into this category where um, they're just not established in the American hobby yet. And if I can bring them in, distribute them, and then hobbyists can breed them and start distributing them and we can get them kind of established, that that's awesome. So I'm so glad to hear that Swamp Thing. Thanks for sharing that. That makes, that makes me happy. That is better than a super chat, believe it or not. That's cool. Yeah, because I mean, there's so many rainbows that are so hard to get and there's so many whose habitats are just gone. They're just bye-bye gone. Yeah. Alex Aquatic Animals again. Sorry with a lot of questions. Hey, it's question time. No worries. But my autosynclists have big belly. Okay, have big belly and are very healthy, but it's hard to know if they're male or female. Oh yeah, I can't sex them either. So I can't help you with that. Hello Gaming, how many mountain minnows could I do in a 10-gallon comfortably? Depends on your level of experience. It depends on how you feed and what you feed. It depends on your filtration, your water change schedule, all that stuff. So um, it's a complicated question. But I mean, I would say in a 10-gallon comfortably, once you start with 10 and see how you feel after that, like you could do more if you need it, but I think 10 is simple in a 10 gallon aquarium. Um, now I'm imagining this is a well-established aquarium and you've got a little experience under your belt. If you don't, or if it's a brand new aquarium, then maybe start with like three or four 
If it's still good in a month, add another three or four. If it's still good in a month, add another three or four and then take stock and be like, you know, I'm having to change the water more. I think I'll stop there. Or, hey, I've got more plants. I can get more fish. They're keeping the water clean for me. Things like that. So it's it's hard to say. There's so many variables on stocking a tank. It, it's all about management of nitrogenous waste and organics and water chemistry. Those are kind of the three things that we're, we're trying to manage, right? And um, that depends on how much food is fed, how much waste is created, how much filtration is managing that. Uh, so there's, there's so many variables. There's no hard or fast answer to a question like that. But I, I mean, in a well-established 10 gallon tank though, I wouldn't shy away at all about sticking 10 in there and, and maybe more if, if you sat with it a couple weeks and you're like, actually, this is a good amount. There's some negative space in there. Like, I don't, I don't think a tank is always great when it's just packed with as many fish as it can have in it. Sometimes you want to see their behavior, right? Sometimes you want that negative space, just like a painting or a drawing or whatever. So Alex Aquatic Animals, I don't know what to do. Seen a YouTuber with the buckets and the guppies. I was thinking that I could do it. Yeah, you can, Alex. Again, I wasn't saying don't do that. I'm just saying it'll be more challenging than trying to raise them in a um, established tank. But they're guppies. Try it. Learn. Experiment. See what works for you. And if it fails, you'll know that and you can make adjustments for next time. They're going to have more babies. Frankie Fins, it's been a week since you hit me with some knowledge about keeping quarry eggs in separate containers, dropping hydrogen peroxide after changing water out. Boom, barely lost eggs to bacteria. Awesome. Frankie Fins, I'm glad it was helpful. Um, hope you can raise all those little baby quarries. It is so fun watching them grow up. So good luck to you. And I'm glad that the uh, method worked for you. I'm not sure what works for me, but I know it doesn't work for everyone but I'm glad this time it did. <laughs> Cancer train. Wow. What a name. I have a 110 gallon stock tank in an enclosed, not heated patio. Okay. What should I put in it? Winters are mild, maybe a week or two of 20 degrees Fahrenheit during the winter. I mean, I really like golden white clouds um, in a setup. They're hardy, they're beautiful, they're active in that gold color in a pond, they pop. You can see them easily. So I really like those. There's a lot of the rice fish of the Madaka species, or strains, I suppose, um, that you could do. Like a, a, a neon rosy barb might be okay, although that might be a little too cold in the winter if you want them to overwinter. But as far as overwintering, um, definitely rice fish and definitely um, golden white clouds, I think, are hard to beat in a pond. Kids Aquatics throwing out two bucks and fist bumping. Boom, boom, boom. Good to see you, Bob. Thanks so much. And I think that means, yeah, we're at 8.24. All right. Keeping track of time. <laughs> Kevin Leong, how would you breed CPDs? Uh, just like an egg scatterer. Um, so, so the way I would do it is I would get a 
ceramic bowl or something of a decent size because then it'll sink. It's not plastic, right? And I put a layer of marbles in it. And then I put some java moss on top of that, all in the bowl. I put that in a bare aquarium, like no substrate or anything, and maybe a sponge filter in the corner. Um, I'd separate the sexes, feed them really well. And when the females are nice and bulked up with eggs, I mean, their CPDs aren't going to get as bulky as a lot of fish, but you'll get better yield if you separate them and feed them up well. Feed them frozen foods, live foods, get them nice and bulky. Um, then I'd put the males and females in together into that tank and they'll spawn eventually and they'll lay their eggs over that java moss. Then I'd remove the parents and either raise the babies up in there or the nice thing about it being in a bowl is you can lift the bowl up and move it to wherever you want to raise the babies and hatch the eggs. So that's how I would do it. I've done cherry barbs that way. I haven't done CPDs that way. I haven't really tried to breed them, but I've bred lots of egg scatterers that way and it's worked pretty well. Um, the thing about CPDs, from what I understand, again, I haven't read them personally, but from what I understand is they're a continuous spawner. So they tend to lay a few eggs a day. They're not like a tetra or a barb where they'll just lay a hundred eggs all at once or a couple hundred eggs all at once and you're done. So one reason to separate them is you'll hopefully get a higher yield. Maybe in a day or two, you'll get a few dozen eggs instead of like three if you separate them before you put them together in the breeding tank. So that's how I would go about trying a scatterer like that. <clears throat> Mike's Aquatic Things throwing down $1.99 and a thumbs up, thumbs back, thumbs up back at you. <laughs> I swear it really is just water, folks, I swear. Thanks so much for the super chat, Mike. I appreciate it. HT Aqua, long fin, golden white clouds are the coolest. They are. I, I can't find a reliable source for them, though, or I would bring them in all day long. But that's one that I struggle to find. Kyle's Aquametrics just got golden white clouds from Dan to put in my pond, and they are active and beautiful. Glad you like them, Kyle. Again, for a pond, I, they're hard to beat. Okay. <clears throat> All right, so I think we're about to do the giveaway. Orange cones, after this one comment, we'll do the giveaway and shut her down. Orange cones, I'm wondering if the egg scatter method would work for headstanders. It, it might, I don't know headstanders enough. I've never really bred them or, um, actually I've seen breeding activity, but I've never raised any or talked to anyone really who has, so. All right, there's your mission. Should you choose to accept it? Crack that code. <laughs> okay, we're going to do the giveaway. This is for at least three, from three to six, depending on how many I can fit in the, the box. Uh, pure freshwater bumblebee gobies, true freshwater gobies. These ones don't need salt water. Uh, most of them do. In fact, as far as I know, all but this one species does. They're pretty much full grown, but they're a small species. So they're under an inch right now, around half an inch or so. I would guess maybe three quarters of an inch. So the winner of those, we have 160 entries. The winner is Bunny Viper. Hey, Bunny Viper. Awesome. Bunny Viper, you have won some 
pure freshwater bumblebee gobies. Brachiogobius, what is it? Xanomenthus? I can't remember off the top of my head. <laughs> All right, so Bunny Viper's got about a minute to chime in. Let us know that they're here and they, yeah, want them and all that stuff. And But I'm pretty sure that's the case because we've been chatting with Bunny Viper throughout the stream tonight. So I'm pretty sure that's true. Hey, good to see you, Sean. OOTD, Mr. Shelley. All right, come on, Bunny Viper. Wait, don't tell me that the one time Bunny Viper like stepped out to get a drink or go to the bathroom or something, they got drawn. <laughs> oh, come on. Come on, Bunny Viper. You can do it. You can do it. Oh, that would be so sad because Bunny Viper's been here like so many streams and been so active. Oh, I'm rooting for you. It's only like 30 more seconds, though. If anyone knows Bunny Viper, throw him a text right now. <laughs> no way. Come on, come on, come on. <clears throat> we might have to redraw this. I hate to do it. Bunny Viper is a very active participant in this chat and the community and has been here like all night chatting. But the rules is the rules. Time has passed. You do have to be here to win. So, we're going to do it again. <laughs> yeah, the rules is the rules. I can't, if I start, if I start screwing with the rules, man, it's going to be chaos. So, sorry, Bunny Viper, here we go. The winner is now Robert Lambrecht. Robert, hopefully you're here still. Oh, wait. Oh, no, Bunny Viper's here. Oh, shoot. Bunny Viper, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. We had to redraw. <laughs> That's so sad. <laughs> All right, Robert. Let us know if you're here. If if Robert isn't doesn't chime in, then I'll send him to Bunny Viper. Let's do that. But we have we have very you know straightforward rules. We got to stick with them. Unfortunately. <laughs> All right, let's see if Robert chimes in. If Robert doesn't, then this will be easy. I'll just be like, okay, they're yours, Bunny Viper. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I do the best I can. Like, I don't I don't know what else to do besides say, like, here's how we do it, and then stick with it. Like, I, I, I don't know how else to manage something like this. Keeps Lost Sheep. Yeah, I, I know, but I, I watched that chat very carefully, and it was uh, – it was after the limit was up, so I'm, I'm sorry. But you might get away with it because we're at a minute 20, so we've got 10 more seconds for Robert. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. All right, Bunny Viper, I'll send them to you. So Bunny Viper, if you'd send me an email, dan at dancefish.com. Let me know your first and last name and your mailing address. I'll send them to you. And if it's okay with you, I'll send them out tomorrow for Friday delivery. Um, email me if that won't work. But the reason is, is because it'd be nice for me if I could clear that tank out before the next import comes next week. But it's okay. If it doesn't work, then I can send them um, 
probably not next week because we'll be busy, be busy with the import, but the following week. So we can be um, we can be a little flexible on that. But if I can send them tomorrow, you know, please send me an email like right now, first and last name and email address, and let me know if tomorrow doesn't work. Otherwise, I'll send them tomorrow. All right. Well, I feel bad for Robert, um, but I feel glad for Bunny because, again, Bunny Viper has been here <laughs> so consistently and been so active and just missed it by a few seconds. But, yeah, guys, I don't know what else to do. It's like, okay, minute 30, we're over that, draw again, right? So, anyway, thanks for being here, everybody. Thanks to my mods, especially for everything they do. I appreciate you guys being here every week and making this stream work, <laughs> function. It would be a mess without you. Thanks to everyone that threw money at us. It's always nice when Super Chats drop in. Appreciate it. All the questions and comments are appreciated. Hail the Lurker Nation and everyone that can't be here live. I hope you can catch us live at some point, but I understand life is busy. Hope everyone has a good one. I know a lot of people are moving. I know a lot of stuff's going on and life's pretty crazy right now. Hope for hope that's going well for all of you. I know a few of you... Um, are facing health issues or have loved ones that are. And so I'm thinking of you and I hope things go well in that arena with all that until next time, have a good one. Bye-bye.